Um, as Kristen said, uh, my name's Rob Johnson. I am the National Director for Pays USA and this is our home church and we're, we're proud to be part of it. So um, we're very excited to be here. Karen, this is my wife Karen. Just stand up and wave just so everyone. Give, give the royal wave, the royal English wave. Um, I am, I'm so excited to be here. Karen, Karen will tell you this. <laughs> I'm really excited to be able to talk to you this morning. <laughs> Um, and uh, I really feel sorry. I get I get quite emotional when I speak, so uh, you'll just have to forgive me. Um, um, I really feel as though God has given me a specific word for you, uh, and and um, and he woke he woke me up last night and told me to add uh, this little piece at the very beginning. So I so I'm being obedient, and you'll see how it fits in with with what I'm talking about today, which is unstoppable vision um, and living with intentionality and purpose you know Pastor Mark over the past several weeks have talked about discipline spiritual discipline you know preparing ourselves training ourselves well I think what you're going to find this morning is that this is going to help you take some of that and work out how to put it into practice what, what, what point is there in us understanding stuff if we don't actually move from, from understanding it to action, okay? I've got to get used to all this, uh, all this heckling now because I'm not, I'm, not so, I'm not so used to all this kind of, come on, amen, it's, it's, it's exciting, I'm with it, all right? I did it myself, but now I've got to work out how to, uh, how, to, how to cope with it, okay? So, I suspect in this world there are two kinds of people. I suspect there are two kinds of people. There are people who like mirrors. Okay? This was just a little mirror that I found. By the way, ladies, please do not take this personally, okay? This is not a personal attack on women or the fact that you like your mirrors, okay? But there are, there are some people that like mirrors, you know, maybe a small mirror that they can kind of gaze into and, you know, kind of get, get some detail, maybe get those, you know, do the eyes or, you know, just, just really... There are some people that perhaps like mirrors that, that perhaps are a little bit bigger. This is, from, this is Karen's mirror and it actually lights up. It actually lights up. You can see where the fingerprints and I didn't like that one, did I? But anyway, uh, that one lights up, and you know you can really get the other side, and it really kind of you know you can see real close up, and and uh, and then you've got these kind of mirrors. This is nice, isn't it? Look, full length, you can see everything. You know, see how wonderful you look. Mm. You, you're a handsome bunch of people, by the way. I, you know, you, you sometimes feel a bit conscious having those mirrors over there. You don't really want to, you know, you don't really want to see. Well, there are, there are those kind of people, people that want to look in the mirror. And then, then, there are people that want to look out of windows. People that want to look out of windows. What, what, what's, that, what's that got to do with anything? Looking in a mirror, looking out of windows. Well, look, here's what the Lord told me. He said, there are those people that that really most of the time you're just focused on yourself. You're focused on looking at yourself and about you. And that's the kind of people that look in mirrors. And then there are those that actually want to look out the window. Because you know what? Out that window there's a big, wide world. A world in need. A world of opportunity, kingdom opportunity. Opportunity for you 
to make a difference for him. But unfortunately, most of the time, we get a bit caught up with the mirror. Looking at ourselves. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong in a little bit of self-examination. Okay? Nothing wrong with a little bit of self-examination. But if, if that's your whole life, is spent just looking in the mirror, I can promise you this, you're never going to do anything great for the kingdom. You're never going to accomplish much for God because you're just always looking at your needs, always looking at your problems, always looking at your difficulties, always struggling through. You know, that word that you gave earlier on actually speaks into this because we need to, we need to kind of lift up our heads a little and see what God can actually accomplish through you rather than you worrying about all the things that you can't do. All the things that aren't possible. Because those are the lies of the enemy. He will do everything he can to make you ineffective for the kingdom. And we are to be productive for the kingdom. Don't get me started on consumerism and production. Okay? You come from a nation like my good friend here, Mr. Sakawa. And I can guarantee you that most of his, his fellow countrymen are producers. You here in the States, we are mainly consumers. And we have a consumeristic mentality. We've heard pastor talk about this all the time. We have a consumeristic mentality. And, and if, if you're foolish enough to think that you have not been sucked into that, you're, you're basically, you just don't understand because we are all part of it. We're all products of it. We're all products of our culture. Just so you know a little bit about my background, I did an MA in cross-cultural ministry and crossing cultures and missions is a passion of mine. And I recognise and understand that our culture affects what we think and what we believe. So anyway, unstoppable vision. What is an unstoppable vision? Let me share a few, uh, a few uh, little statements with you. To improve the standard of living around the world. To provide a secure place on earth for the Jewish people. To give unlimited opportunity to women. <laughs> to experience the joy of advancing and applying technology for the benefit of the public. To give ordinary people the chance to buy the same things as rich people. And to help mobilise, equip, train and mentor a generation of missionaries making missionaries. Well, hopefully that very, <laughs> that very last one may, may resonate with you and it may, you may actually already know whose that one is. But my question is, do you know uh, who those other statements are connected to? Any ideas? Improve the standard of living around the world. Anyone? Sorry? Peace Corps? Peace Corps? Uh, well, that would be a good one for them, but I don't think it was the Peace Corps. Not well vision. It's actually, uh, believe it or not, it's Johnson and Johnson. I call, I'm called Johnson, so I just thought I'd throw that one in there. <laughs> they actually, if you if you go into their if you go in, onto their website and look into the background of them as an organisation, very very uh, Christian based organisation actually. Provide a secure place on earth for the Jewish people. Yeah, Nation of Israel. That is that is their vision, if you like. To give unlimited opportunity for women. 
Hmm? Feminist, feminist, feminist movement. Oh, well, obviously we don't have anyone here that works for Mary Kay. Okay, that's Mary Kay's, Mary Kay's little statement. Is to, give on, to experience the joy of advancing applying technology for the benefit of the public. Uh, close, close to Apple. Actually, um, no, company after my own heart. Clue. There you go, Sony, yes. Uh, to give ordinary the ch- people the chance to buy the same things as rich people. Yes, absolutely. Hallelujah for Walmart. And um, to help mobilise, equip, train, and mentor a generation of missionaries making missionaries. Actually, 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 that, that is true. But it's 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 my mission. That is my personal Rob Johnson mission statement. In the men's Bible study, actually, we've been looking at personal mission statements, and I was I've been thinking about. It. And that, that was my mission before I actually joined Pays, believe it or not. That's why Pays was such a great fit for me. And I could stand here and tell you a big long story about how God brought me to Pays and why I'm doing what I'm doing today. But that's my passion. That's my heart. If I was to ask you, what was Jesus' unstoppable vision? All right, okay, let's not get into the little thing now where we like, oh yeah, Jesus, you know, Jesus is everything and everything applies to Jesus. Let me, let, let, think about scripture and what scripture teaches us. Now I know I'm not trying to be heretical here, okay? I know that Jesus covers all things and is all things, all right? But I'm, I'm asking you specifically if you were to really think about Jesus' mission, why he came here to teach us to love each other, yeah, that's a that's a wonderful that's a wonderful thing, and he did he did teach us to love each other. Abundant life, Abundant life. okay. So, sacrifice for sins, absolutely. Send us out, absolutely. Send us out, yes. Seek and to save those who were lost. Mark ten, forty five. For the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. My suggestion to you would be this morning that 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 was Jesus' reason for coming. He came here so that he could serve, be an example, show what it means to love, be, be an example of that, but ultimately his unstoppable vision and nothing was going to stop him from accomplishing this was that he was going to give his life as a ransom for many. So, the truth is a kernel of wheat must be planted in the soil unless it dies, it will be alone a single seed. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Jesus understood that his unstoppable vision was going to eventually lead to his death. But he knew that his death was not in vain. He knew that his death was actually going to produce kingdom fruits. And you see a lot of people when they think about a seed, they think about a seed falling in the ground and that's the end of that seed. But actually it's not. It's what that seed dying produces. As we die to ourselves, 
as we die to the things that we have passions for and allow kingdom perspective to take over, we begin to see fruit being produced. Take us to the next slide, guys. So God, this is just a thought of mine, God enables us to die to ourselves by calling us to live for something greater. Therefore, we don't just die, we have something more compelling to live for. If, you, if your faith, your kind of uh, version of Christianity is weak and you know, you're not, not really convinced why even you're following God or what Jesus has done for you, I would challenge you to, to really open up your ears and open up your heart to what I'm just about to share with you this morning. Because I believe that God has given me something which is powerful if you allow it to really, to really take root in your heart and in your soul. This was something that, um, that I've shared several times and um, I really believe that it's a message that God has given me specifically to help people understand where they're at in terms of their vision of God and what God wants to do with them. Some of you today are like this piece of rock. Some of you are like this piece of rock. Maybe you feel a bit wet now. Got to be very careful as I do this. Some of you, like this tissue. Some of you are like this kitchen scourer. This is a new one, by the way. Some of the ones in our house get pretty stinky. We do. Some of you are like the sham. Wow. This is a this is made in Germany. This is German engineering. Those of you with a German background, you should be proud of the sham wow. You should use the sham wow with pride. You should wear it on your chest. It is a sham wow. And this is why. This is why you know what's coming next you just put this on here 
Wow. Wow. Look, it's even just one wow. He didn't even need a double wow. And then, see, it is true. It is true. You don't always believe everything you see on these infomercials, but I am wowed. Okay? The sham wow. Look, the rock's already drying out. Some of you here today are just like this rock. You're just hard to the things of God. You're just not, you're just not open to absorbing anything that God wants to try and uh, pour into you. And you know, I believe this about our God. I believe that our God has so much to pour into you. But it's not to do with God, it's to do with you. It's to do with the condition of your heart. You're hard. And even as Christians, we can become like this. Hardened. Hardened by life. Hardened by the things of this world. Hardened by just what goes on in our families, amongst our friends at work. And we end up becoming hard and bitter and blaming God for those things. Rather than, and this is where you think maybe I'm making a bit of a contradiction in statement, but I do believe in mirrors. I do believe, believe mirrors are a good thing at times. It's when you get too obsessed by them. You're actually not willing to take a look in the mirror. Now in our Greek linear thinking, you're thinking to yourself, how can you say that? You just said to me earlier on, I shouldn't be looking in the mirror. Well, Hebrew thinking sometimes may appear to contradict itself, but the great thing about Hebrew thinking is it can say two things that mean totally different things. So at times you do need to take a good hard look in the mirror and you do need to look at yourself and you do need to ask yourself the question, why is it that my heart is hard to the things of God? Well, maybe unfortunately you're like this, um, this tissue which really kind of disintegrated under the... Uh, under the deluge of the water. You know? Tissue has no substance to it once it gets wet. In fact, sometimes, forgive me for this, but when I blow my nose on a tissue sometimes, I'm like, well, that was a waste of time. So I usually get something more like, um, you know, one of those kitchen towels. Because <laughs> they're not, you know, like a piece of bounty. I'm just being honest with you. A piece of bounty suffices for me with my nose blowing. But those things, whatever that was, it was like a puffs thing or something. It's like, forget that. That is just a waste of time. Okay? No, the ShamWow, no, I'm not sure about the ShamWow. The ShamWow would be able to handle it, but I'm just like, I just can't go run for the ShamWow every time I need to blow my nose. They're not like... Bounty's convenient, it's nice little sizes to it, you know. But anyway, don't start distracting me. Okay, so, so, here look. Some of you feel like this today. You feel like a wet piece of tissue. You feel useless. I mean, what use is this now to anybody? I, might, I mean, you might be able to use it to wipe your computer screen a little bit or, you know, but to be honest, it's going to leave a load of marks anyway. You know? So, so you may feel like this. You may feel broken. You may feel torn. You may feel, basically, what, you know, what is the point? Yeah? It's like, it's just, it's just useless. 
And then there is this wonderful, wonderful invention called the kitchen sponge. You know, it's got a little abrasive edge to it. You look like the real thing. You're actually pretty convincing. You know, you try and go around, clean things, clean things up a little bit. You know, telling people how they should do things and, you know, looking, looking, like, the, looking like the genuine thing, but really, you're not really taking much in yourself. You're not really absorbing much yourself. You're looking, you're looking like it. But actually, over time, I can guarantee you, because this is what I said about our sponges in our house, they start becoming a bit stinky and smelly. And you want to throw them out, don't you? These things are a harbour for bacteria, by the way. If you've got these things lying around your house for a long time, you need to get rid of them. All right? That's just for free right there. You know Pastor Mark talks about, <laughs> talks about giving you a little tidbit. That's my little tip. You don't walk away with anything else. Go home, throw these things away, all right, if they've been in your house for too long. Oh, golly gosh. Okay, um, so that's the sponge. But then, here, is your wow. Your sham wow. Okay? This, this, you saw, this was able to take, absorb, take it all in, alright? Absorb it all. But not only that, the great thing about a sham wow is, okay, you can put this in the washing machine. You'll like it, isn't it? You can put this in the washing machine, but not only that, did you see when I rang this out how much it was able to, how much, I could probably, if I really squeeze it more, I could still get more out of it. You know, as God pours into you, He wants you to be pouring out into the lives of others. Alright? He wants you to be, in a, to be effective for His kingdom, but to be able to do that, you getting it? You seeing it? You understanding it? We have to allow God to pour into us. We have to allow Him to fill us full. And that takes God pouring His unstoppable vision into your heart and into your life. If you are any one of these other three items, I would suggest to you, you are not going to see God able to accomplish in you the things that He has for you. You have to be willing to be in a place of humility and a place of acceptance, a place where you believe that God has a plan for your life. So, Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13 tells us this. Put into action God's saving work in your lives, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Put into action, obeying. God is working in you. Desire, power to do what pleases Him. Now, as you, as you think about all this, you're going to have to keep up with me, by the way, because this is going to start getting crazy, alright? Start getting crazy. <laughs> As you think about this, I want, I want to give you, I want to give you um, a thought about God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will where what God wants done is done. Earth seems to be a place Father permits His will not to be done. What could the world become if we were living out God's unstoppable vision for our lives. 
What would this place be like if you were living out the unstoppable vision that God had intended for your life? If you were accomplishing things for him that he had already planned and prepared for you in advance to do. Now the question is, are you willing to do it? Because the problem is we all have the resources and the power and the ability... God has has said that he will invest within you the ability to accomplish these great things for his kingdom. But it actually ends up coming down to a matter of obedience. Of being obedient to what God wants for you. Okay, this is a product. I feel like I'm a product salesman here this morning. I I really don't do all my talks like this, but it just so happens that they all come together. This is a product called Vim. Uh, it's no longer sold in the UK, alright? Do you remember this, Lynn? Vim? Vim? Yeah? don't think you can buy it anymore, but it's basically a scouring product. And it, it says here that it destroys 99.9% of all viruses, germs, and all that kind of stuff, okay? I want you to try and remember, as I, as I kind of go through this next part, this idea of vision, intention, vision, intention, and means. God provides you with a vision... You have to have the intention to follow that vision and then he will provide you with the means to accomplish it. Okay? So, I've developed a little uh, pictorial thing here for you called the bridge of intention. Imagine a bridge. There we go. By the way, guys, thank you for that lovely image they they picked. the, The one underneath the now, the bridge that's on there, but that lovely picture of the actual bridge going off into the mist, okay? The bridge of intention, one of these suspension bridges, okay? I want you to, I want you to imagine that God has given you vision or passion to pursue certain things in your life. You know what those visions and those passions are. You know what you've been called to do for his kingdom, okay? The question is, are you going to be obedient to follow it? The, the converse of that is scepticism and fear. You know, to get onto the bridge, you're either going to be obedient and follow what God says, or you're going to say, this ain't for me, sorry. I'm, I, I just don't have the belief in you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tracking with you, God. I'm just, I'm just fearful. And so you turn away, you turn away from what you actually know God is calling you to. So at that very entry point, if you like, to this bridge, you've got a decision to make. Either you're going to be obedient to pursue it and follow it, or you're going to turn away in scepticism and fear. That bridge is held up by several things. These pillars of trust, the actual platform of intention, and then these wires that I call decision. If you're going to, if you're going to actually step onto the bridge, first of all, you've got to trust God that what God says is, you know, true, and you're going to believe him in it, you're going to have to make a decision to actually step foot onto that bridge and start pursuing the things that God is calling you to pursue. And then ultimately, you have to have a certain intention in your heart. Well, here's my question. Are they God's intentions or are they good intentions? Because good intentions never got anybody anywhere. Okay? You have to be willing to pursue what God is calling you to do. 
So this is, this is our intention to follow God's vision and plan for your life. Ultimately, if you choose to do that, choose to be obedient to the vision that God has placed in your life, and you cross the bridge of intention, you come to the other side, which is basically God will provide you with the means to fulfil what he has called you to do. But that requires action. It requires you to actually do something to accomplish what he's calling you to do. So the bridge of intention. Now I, wanna, I just want to share with you, real briefly, uh, someone that I think, in a very practical way, has displayed this recently to me. And that's my friend Sir Cowart. Okay? Sitting down here. And if you heard recently, but uh, this week in the news, Christian minister in the, in the Pakistani government, the only Christian minister left in the Pakistani government was assassinated because he would not be silent about the, basically the abuse of, of certain laws, certain religious laws in the country of Pakistan. And he ultimately ended up paying the price with his life Paying the price with his life. How many of us actually, every single day, have to pay the price with our life? You remember, think back to what I was saying about dying to self. This guy was willing, at the end, and he knew, he knew he was going to die because he prepared a film that he said, in the eventuality that I am killed, I want you to send this to the BBC so that I can be heard after I've died. That film was sent off to the BBC, obviously, after he died. And in it he says... Basically, I will not be silenced. I will stand up for what I believe in. And I will make sure that I am not silenced while I am here living on this earth. Amen. Amen. That is an example. This man here, from that same country, okay, has pursued the vision that God has given him with passion. If I got him up here, I'm not going to do it right now because I know if I get him up here, he's going to talk for as long as me about stuff. Okay? <laughs> but if I got him up here, he would, he would be able to express to you the deep vision that God has given in it to him in his life. And he's pursued that with intention. He's trusted God. Trusted God to the point where he left his family. He left his wife. He left his children. Right. And he has come here to train. That is commitment. Now, some of you may question, okay, I know in our culture, again, we, we were kind of, honestly, culturally, we were thinking, okay, leaving your whole family, you know, as an organisation, do we want to promote that, support that, okay? Without getting into all the details of that, just value the fact that this man is so committed that he has been willing to do that. Just like military personnel who believe in what they've been called to do for their country, leave their family. Okay? So, he gets up, he gets on a plane, he comes here, he was given a vision, he's trusting God, and he's put it into action. And now he's going around and he's sharing that vision. He was just sharing with me uh, last night in an email how God gave him an opportunity to sit in front of some people and share with them about what he's doing to try and raise finances to be able to spread the gospel in Pakistan. I want to, what I want now is I want Steve to just come up real briefly and he's going to share with you a little bit. Again, I'm just trying to help you to get some real practical ideas about how this works. How, how the vision 
of what we do as an organisation is kind of played out in this and Steve's really good at explaining this so I'm going to just hand it out to him for a couple of minutes. Thanks Rob. Um, so yeah, going back and thinking about this vision, vision intentionality means what we do in the PAYS project, you've obviously heard all the British accents, you've heard <laughs> us being around here and you've heard a lot of people talking about the PAYS project and as we could tell earlier on you recognise the, the statement missionaries making missionaries. I wanted to just like, unpack that a little bit for you and explain to you very practically what that means uh, when we partner with a church. So if you want to copy, the, if you're making notes, feel free to copy this diagram, I don't own it. Um, I would love it if you wrote it down. So at the top we've got a mission statement, which is missionaries... Can you all see that? Missionaries? Okay. Making missionaries. Please excuse my scruffy handwriting. Thanks. Okay. So what we do uh, is... uh, let me go back a stage. It's kind of, I feel like you guys have kind of got uh, off to the, maybe, perhaps the wrong foot without even realising it. You've seen all these British people uh, and you, you, know, you had that great opportunity back in October when you met people from the PACE project all around the world. Um, but you guys haven't actually yet had exposure to a true PACE team. Okay, so what, what I want to do here is help you understand what it's really like when a PACE team comes and works in your church. So, uh, over here we have a church like that. Uh, there you go. And we also ugh. and we also have over here um, the schools and communities that are in our local area. And when we place a PAYS team in partnership with a local church, they really do two main things. And it's really summed up in here, but I want to explain it to you. The first thing they do, so, so they're placed in a church, and the clue is here. So first of all, they're missionaries. Okay, so firstly, in prim- the first part of their role is that they are missionaries here. I'm trying to keep my color code in. Um, be missionaries here. Okay? So the first part of their role is to be missionaries in the schools, in the communities. So they go into the schools, uh, serving the local schools, going up to the principal and saying, hey, we're from this non-profit organization, we want to serve you, is there anything we can do to help you? That might be doing uh, guest presentations, that might be being role models in a lunch club, that might be helping out with a truancy program, uh, that might be helping coach a team. Whatever the school's need is, we'll go in and we'll serve them and say, hey, how can we serve you? Okay? Um, so that's the first part, we are being missionaries in the schools and the communities. But there's a second and really important part to this, and the key is, in the second bit, we're making missionaries. So the second part of what we do is we partnering with the church, serving their local, sorry, serving their youth group down here, we make missionaries
of their students that are in the church. So we come in, we work alongside the youth pastor, uh, and we equip uh, the youth pastor, and we equip um, the youth group with tools, with resources, with um, different things that we can encourage them, all about making, for the students, being missionaries. So that the students can be missionaries in their schools and in their communities. And if I was to sum up what PACE does in a very easy way in terms of our partnerships with the church, that's what we do. So we're missionaries um, based out of a church, but missionaries in our schools and communities, but we also make missionaries of the students in that church so that they also can be missionaries in the schools and communities. And that's the PACE project. It's very unique. But we have a vision, okay? We feel as though we're trying to be obedient to that vision, but we have to be intentional about it and then put it into action. So, so this isn't just something necessarily that as individuals we can do, but we can do through our organisation, organisational structure, I guess I would say. So, bringing this home really, really kind of practically for you guys, can you, can you take me to the next slide, guys? So obedience moves us from knowledge to action. Okay, Obedience, being obedient to what God has called us to do, leads, moves us from knowledge, just knowing something, to actually doing it. And the, the bridge of intention is the way we get there. Okay? Okay, so God's intention for you is to obey him. Do you know in that Philippians 2 passage I gave you? Obey. Be obedient to what God is calling you to do today. Okay? Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't allow scepticism and fear to prevent you from accomplishing the things that God wants you to do. He's promised you that if you obey him and you follow what he wants you to do, he will provide you with the means to accomplish it. But he's got to see you, okay, as I put there, trusting him. It's no good saying on the one hand, God, I want, I want to do this, I want to pursue your plan and your purpose for my life, but then him never seeing any actual action or you actually showing ways to God, whether it's in your heart, whether it's in what you're doing, whether it's in the way you're living out your life, he's got to see that you trust him for him to be able to then provide you with the means. I mean, I'm sure if I asked you to get up, some of you will be able to share stories of where you've seen this principle play itself out in your life. Where you've seen God actually, as you followed his intention for your life, even though you may have had a, like you may have been pulling in a slightly different, eventually you've kind of come round and you've, you've decided to follow what God has told you to do, even though it may mean sacrifice. You know, it may mean that you're not entirely sure, but I can promise you this, that God will not leave you out there to hang dry. He is going to, again, coming back to that word that you shared earlier on, Kristen, he's going to provide the pools in the desert. You know, he's going he's to provide you with everything that you need. Okay, next slide, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up here. What's the time? I, I have no clue of what... Yeah, it's about time to finish up. Okay. I <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> no, I, need to, I want to respect everyone's time. Um, this is what I would like you to do. Um, as, I've, as I've shared this with you, it's, you know, there's a lot there for you to think about. I've tried to help you a little bit with some, you know, some pictorial stuff, some, some illustrations. But I really, want you, I really want for you 
to spend some time reflecting. Reflect on, on whether you, perhaps you don't have this adequate vision of life in God's kingdom. You don't know what this means for you. you, you, you you're, just not, you're just not equipped. Well, maybe that's where you just need to ask God to give you a vision. Amen. To understand what, what he has stored up for you. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that God has things out there for you to accomplish for him. It's just a case of you plugging in to what he is calling you to do, being obedient to that. And I know that sounds very kind of simplistic, but it really is quite that easy. If you will just obediently follow his plan for you, he can then begin to help you understand what the vision is that he has for your life. Because it's actually not about what you want, it's about what he wants to accomplish through you. Okay. Secondly, you haven't seriously examined what Jesus said and did. So you can't even attempt these things. I'm talking to you about crossing this bridge, you know, having faith, having vision, but you're not even a Christian. You don't, you don't even know whether you believe in God or believe what Jesus said about it. You don't even know what Jesus did. I mean, you've heard some of these stories about loaves and fish and, you know, I don't know, his baptism, you know, he died on a cross. But to be honest, you know, it's, it's all kind of... what well, you need to seriously examine it. And I want to challenge you today, if you're, if you're that person who's here, I had to reach a point of decision. You know, I had to reach that point on that bridge where I decided that I was going to trust Christ, that I was going to put my faith in Him, that I was going to believe everything Amen. that the Bible talked about. And the decision moment for me was, just so you know a little bit about my story, the decision moment for me was, uh, I could not accept that God had created this planet. I was an evolutionist. And I was convinced, I was convinced, I said to this guy, I was sitting on the side of Lake Geneva, and I sit in Switzerland, I said to this guy, if I was convinced he wouldn't be able to do it, I said, if you can convince me that God created all this, I will, uh, everything else I'll just take on faith, I'll believe. And he did. Well, God did through him. So, anyway, uh, you don't trust or rely on Jesus. And that can be, you could be a Christian and you're not trusting and relying on Jesus. So don't necessarily take that as being somebody, you know, I, I actually think a non-Christian is no, no, you know, it's not surprising that you wouldn't trust and rely. But as a Christian, if you are not trusting and relying on Christ and believing that he has the power to overcome and accomplish whatever he wills and purposes in your life, then you have, you've, got, you've got some things that you need to really, you need to do some business with Jesus. Amen. Okay? Amen. You really do. Right. You have doubts about the claims of Jesus and if he behaved wisely. You know, when you, maybe again, maybe you're a believer and you've, you've looked at scripture and you, you're like, why would he, why did he get angry in the temple? I mean, you know what, what's that throwing, you know, throwing chairs and tables around at, you know, these businessmen? I mean, what's all that going, what's that going on for? You know, or, or you know, being nasty to the Pharisees, you know, giving them a hard time. Why would he do? Why would he do that? You know, he wasn't. He didn't behave wisely. He wasn't a nice guy. Well, you know, you need to, you need to check into these things for yourself before you kind of jump to any conclusions. You know, uh, perhaps you've um, accepted living a life by drifting or accidents. Maybe you just kind of you see that as normal. And those who live with intentionality aren't fun. You wouldn't like being around me. I'm a very intentional person and, and you probably wouldn't fight. But I can tell you this, I am quite fun. 
I'm quite a fun person. I think I'm quite a fun person. I, I enjoy life and I like to, you know, have a laugh and um, have a laugh. That's very British, isn't it? Thoroughly British. I like to have a laugh. I don't have a stiff upper lip now. Come on. Let's all have a bit of fun. Yes. Jolly good. Pip, pip. Let's, let's head off to the fun place. Yes. I'm not really like that, okay? That's not, that's not really me. Yes, so let's make some fun happen. Yes, okay. So, uh, but... Um, you know, maybe you're quite happy being where you are. God bless you. May the Lord be with you. You know, if you want to drift through life with no intentionality and you just want to kind of let, let life go by, well, you know, there will be an accounting. There will be a day of reckoning. There will be a time when you are going to have to give an account for your life. And whether you like it or not, whether you agree with me or not, whether you're saying, Rob, you're a crazy man, I don't believe a word you're saying, I'm not going to have to stand before God, well, okay, that's fine. That's your perspective, that's your opinion. I'm telling you, you will. I'm telling you, you're going to have to stand before God and he is going to, you're going to have to give an account of your life. Believer or unbeliever, okay? Don't think sitting there all comfortable, I'm a believer, so I'm okay. But you have, you're going to have to give an account as well. Amen. Right? And the Bible, and this is very controversial now, okay, very controversial, but the Bible talks about rewards. Rewards for believers. Alright? Rewards in heaven. And I think that's going to be based on... Now, I don't want to get down a road here of you thinking I'm kind of this crazy guy that believes in some you know, works-based theology. I don't believe in grace totally. But there is no getting away from the fact that the Bible talks about that we are going to have to give an account. And, and I think that should be a motivation for you and me to be about the work of the kingdom. Okay, uh, you've come to accept who you are and have no desire to change. Well, as I said earlier on, God bless you. Okay, uh, I think you've you've been challenged here this morning with a with a a path to pursue. And if you have no desire to change, there's not really much. I mean, it's not down to me anyway. It's down to God's Holy Spirit speaking to you personally. You know, it's like with our son. You know, with Luke, he has a bit of a little uh, computer game problem. Addiction. Addiction. Thank you. That's a good word. He likes to play computer games and he likes to win. Okay? So, um, it's not for me. Uh, there are certain boundaries that I can put into place for him, like, you know, one hour a day. He'll try and squeeze a little extra out if he can, but one hour a day, you know, some, some general boundaries. But he's got to learn for himself and, and begin to develop the desire within himself if he's going to grow up. You know, as a Christian and as a person, as a person, as a, as a productive member of society. But if I just keep telling him what to do, you know, and, and, and just laying it all out on a plate for him, even as a seven-year-old, I think he has to begin to develop these things within him. Some of you, and, and Pastor Mark was pre, has been talking on this over the past several weeks, some of you are baby Christians and you're just not, you just don't have that desire for some reason. I don't know why, you know. But you've got to begin to ask God to create within you a desire for a new heart and a new spirit and a new desire to pursue the things of the kingdom so that you can accomplish great things for the kingdom. I believe that God has placed within each and every one of you the potential to do great and mighty things for him. But the thing that's getting in the way of that is you. You're the one that's disbelieving that. You're the one that's holding back from that. You're the one that's not allowing God to really move in you because you're not being obedient to what he's called you to do. So I want to leave you on that word of encouragement. 
I hope it's not been discouraging, but it's actually been encouraging. For those of you that are kind of in that last line, then it probably isn't very encouraging, to be honest. I mean, I can't do anything about that. It's not down to me. If you're really in that place, you're not going to walk out of here thinking, Yay! I've got no desire to follow God and do what God wants me to do. That's just not going to happen. So I'm sorry for you. Uh, but if you do want to come talk to me, I'd be very happy to chat it through. And, you know, my passion, as you saw at the beginning there, is to train, equip, mentor and motivate, primarily I would say younger people, but I've, I've done it with, uh, I've been on missions, I've taken people on missions around the world. So it's not just young people, but help people to understand what it means to have a missionary heart. And to try and do that in a contextually, cultural, relevant and relational way. So, you know, I, I hope this has been helpful for you this morning. Uh, I know it's probably been a little bit of a different style from, from Pastor Mark, okay? Uh, but I've enjoyed it and as I said, I really believe that God wanted me to share this with you. I hope, I hope you're able to go away and take, not like literally go away and never see you again, like, but I hope you're able to go away and take some stuff with you from this, okay? And if you want to talk about any of it, I'm here. I'm, I'm here every week, so unless we're on our travels somewhere. So, hey, let me uh, let me pray for you. If you perhaps like to stand up, I want to pray a pray a word of blessing over you. Um, and if any of you, as I was sharing with with you about, you know, examining what Jesus did and said, and you're interested in finding out more, something was stirred within you this morning about about finding more about Jesus. I'd love to talk to you too and there's plenty of people here that would love to do that too. So let me, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for these people. I thank you for each and every one of them. I pray power and blessing into their life. I pray vision into their life. I pray that you will provide them, those of them that are struggling right now, to really see what it is that you want to accomplish in and through them. I pray that you will give them a word this week a specific word that will help them to grasp hold of the vision that you have for them. And then as they grasp that, I pray that you will give them the power to be able to move into it with intentionality. And as they move into it with intentionality, they will begin to trust you for all that you are going to pour into them, the means that you are going to make for them to accomplish the things that you have for them for the kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is is Jehovah Jireh, the provider God. We thank you that you are here for us to to be able to accomplish your work. And so I ask that you will help us over this coming week to do that. Thank you, Lord. Bless these people, I pray, in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.